She was this South Asian Muslim girl obsessed with superheroes just like me that all of a sudden had her own solo series from Marvel Comics. It was like, oh my God, this is so awesome. There's like a Desi Muslim superhero and she has so many of the same problems I did when I was a teenager. She just resonated with me on a level I've never, ever, ever felt in a piece of media before. Welcome to Women of Marvel. I'm Ellie Pyle, and back in my associate editor days, I got to be a fly on the wall for the secret origin of this character we're talking about today. And I'm Preeti Chibber, known Kamala Khan superfan and author. We've looked at the global movement of fans inspired by Captain Marvel. We've examined how someone as powerful as Photon, a one-time Captain Marvel herself, maintains her humanity with the help of her loved ones. But we still have one more Marvel to discuss. And today we're talking about when a fan becomes a hero herself. We are talking about our girl, everyone's favorite Avengers superfan, Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Miss Marvel. Ugh, my heart. <laughs> yeah, my heart just sings. Pretty, you've been waiting for this episode. I have. I love her so much. Ten years ago, when Adrian Alfona, G. Willow Wilson, and Sana Amama dropped that first issue... I, I genuinely believe No Normal, the first volume of Ms. Marvel, is like the top three comic books written of all time. It's perfect. It brings in not just, you know, kind of bringing this new Peter Parker energy to a new generation, mm -hmm. but pairing that with like the identity stuff, the school stuff, the YA of it all. Like it's it's so good. It was really amazing to kind of watch from behind the scenes as all of that took shape and then took off that, you know, we knew we had something good, but at the same time, it just then exploded into this huge phenomenon. And in particular, I remember that first cover, like the half Ooh, face so good. and just all the pictures everybody started sending into the spider office of themselves as Miss Marvel, and they were posting them all online. And it was very very, very cool. I really learned a ton sitting there and watching Miss Marvel take shape from the inspiration of a lot of Sana's own life mm -hmm. and adolescence. It was the first time I ever like actually cosplayed was as that Marvel cover. I like got the shirt. I had the like scarf, the bangles. I did all of it for Comic-Con that year. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Preeti, I know you love Miss Marvel. So very much love that you have in your heart. But if you had to <laughs> narrow it down, what are just a few reasons why people should love Kamala Khan as much as you do? Uh, I feel like number one is her fandom and her enthusiasm. The first time we meet Kamala, like what we learn about her is that she is a nerd for the Avengers. She loves Carol Danvers in a way that I think we love these characters. It was putting our love on the page through a superhero. And it's one of those classic Marvel things of like, they're just like us. I love what you said about her having Peter Parker energies, a shorthand for it, but it is, you know, that classic Marvel hero vibe of I am just a person who somehow ended up with these powers <laughs> and I have to balance this against also going to school and you know someone who can be such an amazing hero but also 
barely holding their life together makes them so (laughs) relatable and I think is what sets the truly iconic Marvel characters apart from other superheroes. Agreed. And of course, for me, another thing was this is a girl who is Pakistani-American, Muslim. Her parents are immigrants. Seeing that sort of like Pakistani and South Asian representation coming through so authentically on the page, like there were things, you know, I'm Indian American, my parents are immigrants, and there were so many things that I could identify with and relate to, and it was just sort of like mind-boggling that this could exist, that this could be a thing. And another thing that I think very often sets Marvel heroes who become truly iconic apart is that they have a great design. You mentioned that you cosplayed Kamala at Comic-Con that year. I think that a costume and a look that fans immediately want to recreate for themselves is such a key element in helping some of these characters take off. Like, I think that if you can capture the passion of the cosplay community, you are halfway there in making (laughs) a character who's really going to stick. It's true. And of course, the jersey of it all. Kamala loves Jersey. We love Jersey. I have a million cousins who live in New Jersey. It's just so delightful when our standard experience with Marvel heroes is New York City. It's nice to see a Jersey girl. Mm -hmm. So as you mentioned, Kamala is first and foremost a fan, a fan of Captain Marvel, a fan of the Avengers, just a big old dork. And (laughs) behind the mask, she will always be a kid writing fan fiction about Captain Marvel. I love fan fiction so much. And you have some experience with it, correct? (laughs) So yes, plenty of personal experience, but professionally, I wrote a book called a Avengers Assembly. It's three books, actually. The first one is called Orientation and is all about Kamala Khan joining this sort of like after school program for burgeoning young superheroes. And I got to write Kamala writing fanfic about Carol Danvers. (laughs) I actually think that it's possible that I read an outline for this like before you and I met and so I can say completely unbiasedly that I loved this so much (laughs) that it was just so much fun yeah it's really funny I was like revisiting it the book came out I think like three years ago and the title of the fanfic is school's out for dot 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 evil in all caps (laughs) which is perfectly authentic perfectly authentic in (laughs) every way so i don't think i'm alone in using fanfic as a kid and and not just as a kid but as an adult to work on my writing skills some professional writers like sean and mcguire and rainbow rowell even got their starts writing fan fiction You may remember Shannon, who you heard back in our Ghost Spider episode. She'll tell us a few reasons fan fiction is good for both writers and fans. So fan fiction, the art of writing stories in pre-established worlds, literally predates copyright. Fan fiction is one of the oldest forms of human storytelling. It was a long time before we actually had copyright, and it was created mostly because of Don Quixote. The original author of Don Quixote was hugely popular. He made a lot of money and then the money just stopped and he could no longer afford to eat. And it was because people had written unlicensed sequels to his book that they were selling 
and those were what the money was going to. And so copyright was kind of created to protect authors. But fan fiction, as long as it's done for free, still lives in its own magical legal pocket. It's a great time. And the nice thing about fanfic is that you are writing with a pre-established audience. You know when you put pen to paper or keys to keyboard that you are writing for something that at least some people are going to want to read. You then put it out into the world and they will comment on it. And so I was writing fanfic and I kept writing fanfic very consistently for years and years and years and made a lot of friends through fanfic. But from fanfic, I learned nothing you do is going to make everyone like you. There will always be somebody with an alternative character interpretation. How to take editorial comments. And that's very useful for something like working at Marvel, where there are 20 stories you're not writing happening at the same time. Shannon found a community and friendships through fanfic, but Rainbow, who you'll remember from our Wasp episode, didn't. She wishes she had, though, and her novel Fangirl is all about fanfiction in today's internet fandom environment. Fandom is so important to people and such a personal, like, people hold their fandom so close to their hearts. And part of it is community, but more than that, I think it's a way to engage with the characters and the stories that you love really personally. Some people can love something and walk away from it. I think that for a lot of us, we can't walk away from these things. They get in us so deep that we we keep working on them. There's something about the characters, the challenges, even the aesthetic of things that just really sinks into us. And telling stories and drawing, and those are all ways to keep your engagement and to keep that thing in your life. What we think of as fandom now, it'll keep shifting, but that need to bring stories inside of us and, and live with them for a while, I think that is a universal and eternal thing. I definitely wrote fan fiction as a teenager, but that was before the internet. So it it wasn't a part of this great big world of fandom where you're all contributing to these stories and sharing stories and following each other and building. It was something I did like in a lonely, shameful way. <laughs> like I, my weird fantasies, um, including about X-Men characters. There was a lot of romance, a lot of romance. Various blue mutants falling in love with me. (laughs) So it wasn't really until my 30s that I realized what was happening online with fan fiction and became someone who started reading a lot of fan fiction. So I still read a lot of fan fiction. And of course, then I wrote a novel. And that novel came from my thinking about what would my life have been like had I been a teenager on the internet? So I wrote a novel, Fangirl, about, like, what would it have been like for me if I, like, not that I was the main character, but a little bit thinking that way and and how I would have really loved that and how it would have really changed me to have been able to meet people in fandom rather than just saddle. Nobody wanted to read my X-Men stories, you know, that I was writing (laughs) in my notebook by myself. But maybe there would have been people who would have wanted to read my X-Men stories if I had the internet and I could have shared them. I think it's cool that Kamala is a fan because I think it's something that makes her seem really real and makes her breathe as a character. Something I love about Marvel characters is they live in the real world. So I think it's cool she has that sort of real foundation in the real world. My friend Samira Ahmed isn't a fan fiction writer, but for her, writing Ms. Marvel Beyond the Limit in 2021 felt a little bit like writing fan fiction. She loves 
Kamala as much as I do, if not more. Preeti, is that even possible? I know, it, it sounds completely unbelievable, but I think it's true. I'm Samir Ahmed. I am a novelist of young adult and middle grade literature and also wrote the Miss Marvel Beyond the Limit book and am a Miss Marvel fan forever, just like you, Preeti. I mean, I think that's something we probably have in common. <laughs> just, yeah, I just mean, I love Spidey too. I know you're like a Spidey girl. <laughs> I love Spidey also, but you know, Kamala's in my heart. I think that's the key, right? Is that Kamala holds a very special place in our hearts. And and so for you, what drew you to writing her? Well, when Willow's very first issue came out, you know that super yes. iconic cover <laughs> it, you know it didn't even show her face Mm-mm. it just had her holding her books and just sort of can a cover like where somebody's holding books be fierce like she held the books it was like so just amazing and it just gave me kind of like goosebumps when I saw it and I remember I was reading through Willow's Run and I was like oh my god this is so awesome there's like a Desi Muslim superhero and she has so many of the same problems I did when I was a teenager and I remember telling some people wouldn't it be cool if I could write her one day (laughs) and then you know Marvel came along and I had like the incredible privilege of being for the comic books to be the first Desi Muslim Mm-hmm. writer of Miss Marvel. You know, for the comics, Willow and Saladin also are Muslim, but it just felt special to me to be able to do that. Yeah. And there were so many kids that I met. I mean, I got to do a lot of Miss Marvel events, which was so awesome. And the Desi kids and the Muslim kids were all calling me, like the under like seven crowd were all calling me auntie, auntie. which was like, <laughs> which was like the cutest thing ever. And... It just felt like very part of the Miss Marvel world for them to even do that. I don't know. It just felt like I was having a connection to them. We were all having this connection to this character because she's like our cousin and our niece. And she just is such an important part of our experience, not just in comics, but I guess broadly in pop culture. She's, I don't know. I sound like I'm really fangirling over her right now. Kamala would call you auntie, right? Yes, Like totally. that's kind of this incredible, like immediate relationship you have to her, which is what made it so, I think, inevitable for you to be able to write this character. Like it, it, I think we we are in this position of sometimes you struggle for the words to sort of get across like how important she was to us. Like you were saying that first image of her where you can't even see her whole face still like hits so hard. I know because you just know it's such an iconic cover. I mean, it's just (laughs) everything about it was brilliant. I just, it is hard to explain. Like you get this sort of like feeling inside and you get sort of like the goosebumps and then you get like kind of sweaty. Or, you know, you're trying not to be like, still trying to be sort of cool, but you're like, I can't be cool. No, I can't be cool. This is like, I'm a nerd. I know exactly. Exactly. Totally. I mean, like when I was at New York Comic Con, these two little girls, they were twins. They came with their parents. They had one Desi parent. They were biracial, one Desi parent. And they were, I guess they were like three or four. And the parents were so excited for her to meet me. And I was like, I feel like this is more about you guys. <laughs> but they were like, they were like, we can't wait to have, you know, our girls to be able to read this. We're going to read 
you know, Miss Marvel and Beyond the Limit together. And I was like, oh, that's so great. And they said, can you take a picture? And I said, sure. So I come out from behind the table and like, so I bend down, like I'm on my knees and I put my hands out like this. So like, I'm saying like this, no one can see me. I have my arms spread out. out. (laughs) My arms are out so that one child could go sort of to my left and one can go to my right. So I'm sort of creating the space. But one of the girls just runs up and hugs me. And I was like, darn it, this is the cutest thing ever. And the parents were like, okay, now stand next to auntie. And I just was like, you know what? Miss Marvel created this moment for me. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful for that moment. And I'm just so happy that those little twins will have Kamala on their bookshelves. It's genuinely wild how she has created this bridge between the generations of like South Asian Americans in this country because we were all waiting for it I think we were all waiting for this character to come along regardless you know she's like a teenager it's YA it's coming of age but we all identify with the experiences you know so many of her experiences within the comic book beyond just that aspect though I think there are a lot of overlaps in personality here too with (laughs) (laughs) maybe a little bit of this like fandom so what parts of her personality or her story did you especially want to lean into in your series? All right. So there's a few things. One, I cherish her love of food. Yes. I know this seems like a weird (laughs) way to start. Nope. But (laughs) the food to me, we know she needs the food to sort of like power up again, right? Because her powers can like deplete her and the food is literally like her fuel, her energy. But even before, the, like her very first panels are like her salivating over wanting to yep. eat something. <laughs> and I, food is such an incredibly important entry point for South Asians. And I also very, very much love that she's this teen girl and she's like, I'm hungry and I'm going to eat because, yeah. you know, I'm a Gen Xer and growing up then maybe even now there's just so much pressure on young girls to look a certain way and be a certain way. And I just love that. Kamala's like, you know what? I'm going to just kill a gyro right now. I just love that about her. And, you know, food creates memories and it creates connections. And that was, I guess, one of my first connections to her. And we both love food and I I wanted to have that piece in there. Also, importantly, family. Mm -hmm. Her parents, her brother, they are present. Yes. And this is an experience. I'm sure you have this experience, too. As thisies, as immigrant kids, you know, our families are present in our lives. And, you know, mm-hmm. as a young adult author, there's always these jokes about how, you know, you either got to kill off the parents, or the parents have to be on vacation, or they've <laughs> got to be away so the kid can do all this stuff. But I love having the parents in my books, too, just like I have in the Miss Marvel series I wrote, because there's this natural conflict that arises with parents. And not just because of being immigrants or mm-hmm. having, like, any cultural differences, like, It's just a naturally dramatic thing for teens and parents to, like, not agree on everything. Yeah. You know? It's natural for teens to want to do stuff that their parents don't always want them to do. It's not because her parents are Pakistani or because they're Muslim or it's just because they're parents and she's a teenager. Right. And, you know, she's just a teen girl like all the other teen girls. She's got all the same stuff going on. And I really love that sort of ordinariness about her. Mm -hmm. But I also love that her family is something that's important to her. She doesn't want to just dismiss them. She wants to be a good daughter and a good sister and, you know, a good auntie eventually. She just, 
she wants to be all those things. And sometimes that can feel in conflict with other parts of her life, specifically her superhero-ness. Mm-hmm. But that's also kind of a metaphor because for, you know, young adults of all ages, you might sometimes feel that tension of, I want to sort of be the good kid and I love my parents, but also, wait, why can't you let me do this thing? I want to do this other thing. Yes, and let me be free. And that's just a natural tension. And I really loved how Kamala has that. And it's there from literally the very, very first issue. Mm-hmm. And she has a community. She has her mosque. She has her friends. I love that her friends are in on it with her. You mm-hmm. know, Kamala doesn't always make the best or smartest choices. Because guess what? She's a teenager, but she has friends who will sometimes call her out. And I also love that she's not broken. Right. I think a lot of times we feel like our heroes have to be broken to mm-hmm. make choices to become a hero. And I hope she's never broken because I think that's part of where her power comes from. I love that because I don't know that I've ever thought about it like that in the terms of like she just makes an active choice that she's going to do this. Nothing awful externally pushes her to do it. She just, you know, good is not a thing you are. It's a thing you do. And she makes right. that choice. I love that so much. Because you know what? I think that being a teen is about so often you're confronted with these choices where you have to make, quote unquote, the right choice, but you're not exactly sure what it is, but you want to do the right thing, but you want to have fun and you're pulled in this direction and you're pulled in another. And one of the panels in Beyond the Limit that was really important to me was there's this moment where she's on a bridge and she's trying to save this family whose car has gone over the bridge but her powers are wonky because of this doppelganger stealing her powers and they kind of fizzle out. And then she has this moment where she's like, oh my God, my powers, what am I, am I nothing without these powers? And then she just says, you know what? You don't need powers to be a hero because she's making a choice to try to help these people. And of course her friends are there to help too because heroes don't need to be alone, I think. Right. And sometimes heroes can gain strength from the people they surround themselves with. Speaking of Beyond the Limit, can you walk us through the journey that Kamala went on? And like, where was she at the beginning of the series? So at the beginning of the series, so, you know, Kamala is our Jersey girl, mm-hmm. but I am a Chicagoan and every Dizzy has some relatives in Chicago. <laughs> so I uh, li- listen, Kamala has been through it, right? Like there's been so many things she did in a very short period of time. I mean, she has... You know, she's been to outer space. She's battled, like, a suit that wanted to take over her. You know, she's had to do so many things. And I was like, girl needs a break. So she is going to chill out a few days with her brilliant physicist cousin in Chicago. Awesome. I had to give a little love to my hometown and to all my my thisies in Chicago. And, of course, while she's there, because there's never really a moment of rest for superheroes. No, of course not. Her brilliant physicist cousin is working on a mysterious experiment that has the power to potentially open wormholes or like portals into other multiverses. And of course, someone is trying to steal it and things go awry. And there's this moment where Kamala is next to this mysterious box when something happens and there's flashes of light and she glimpses other Miss Marvels, but they're not exactly like her. Everything about the multiverse is awesome. So I was like, I need a Miss Marvel-verse or a Kamala-verse. So (laughs) this accident sort of creates a rift between worlds. And Kareen, a young woman from another place, falls into Kamala's world. And we see she becomes sort of like this doppelganger character and is in a lot of ways sort of this like mirror of Kamala because she 
is faced with a lot of difficult decisions and Kamala and her friends are trying to help her, but she also is being ruled a little bit by anger and rage because of things that have happened to her. And so we see sort of a battle between Kamala and her doppelganger. And it's like a physical battle, but it's also a battle of their powers because two Kamalas cannot exist in the same universe because of the way her powers are built at that time. You know, we've talked a lot about how we are super fans of Kamala Khan, but Kamala is an Avengers super fan. I love it. So how did you incorporate that side of her into your writing? So it was almost like typecasting because I felt like I was writing fan fiction when I was writing Kamala <laughs> and then she writes fan fiction. Yep. And like, you know, she has this love of Wolverine and I was like, how can I incorporate just little bits of things that she might like? And so I really wanted to have Loki. I got to have Loki in a Shivani, which... That's amazing. A top uh, wedding elephant, which was so much fun to see come to life. But I also have a, a little cameo from Doctor Strange in there. And I just wanted, I guess Kamala is part of this bigger universe of superheroes. So I wanted her to have these access points into them. But at the same time, she's still sort of in awe of them a little bit. Right. And I, and I just wanted to have little bits of that in there because that's definitely a huge part of her personality. And I kind of love that about her because it makes her feel more down to earth. Like she's just like one of us. Yes. She's just a regular girl with an extraordinary job. That's how I like to describe Ugh, her. I love she's that. Just, I mean, there's something about that, all of those bits about her, like when Willow first brought Kamala to us, her love of the Avengers, her complete passion of being in the fandom, of writing fan fiction, of, and also makes her in awe where she's like, dude, you're Wolverine. And I was like, that's exactly what my reaction would be. I mean, this is the the dream part of it, of course, is that she wants to be a part of the world that's writing fanfic, right? It's putting herself and creating and being a part of it and then becoming a part of that world. Like yeah. literally like getting to be but a part of it. But also not believing it. But like not also, believing it. Yes. Like, <laughs> but, but also being in that like, I can't believe this is happening to me. Whoa, this what? is happening to me. Oh, oh, wait. I'm next to Wolverine. What? This is Captain Marvel. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's also why I think she's a little bit like Spidey. Yes. In the sense that she has this, I mean, I kind of think of Kamala as sort of like this. generation, generation Spidey. But Spidey also a little bit, ha especially like the early Peter Parker, like there's that sort of awe that he has a little bit of it too, yeah. like that awe and wonder. And I just love that these teen characters, I mean, Miles has it too, actually. Mm -hmm. Like, I just love that these teen characters have some of that awe and wonder around who they are, what they're becoming, but also the bigger world that they've stepped into, this world of superheroes. And that sort of somehow keeps them... Um, not cynical. And I love mm -hmm. that about these characters. They don't have the cynicism of some of the older characters. And as an older person, I can say I understand why Doctor Strange has some cynicism about the world. But I also love that we can have these teens who are just so amazing and are entering into the world of adulthood like they're on the cusp. Mm -hmm. you know? But they still have sort of this enchantment that comes with childhood a little. I would love to talk to you forever about Ms. Marvel and Kamala Khan, and I think wait, I could. Wait, we can't? I know. <laughs> Preeti, this is, I was told this is a seven-hour podcast. This is understand. a seven-hour podcast. This entire right, thing right. is just going to be us talking about how much we love Kamala Khan. But because we can't do it forever, unfortunately, where can people find your work online? And do you have anything exciting coming up you want to talk about? 
Yeah, so you can find me at samiraahmed.com where you can see all my books. I recently had a wonderful anthology that I co-edited called Magic Has No Borders of amazing South Asian <laughs> science fiction fantasy tales, including one by you, Preeti. That was so great. So please pick that up, Magic Has No Borders. And then my next book that's coming out, my next YA is coming out in May 2024, and it's called This Book Won't burn and it's about kids fighting book bands and fascism and trying to find their voices and their power that's amazing thank you so much this was an absolute delight In previous episodes, we encountered the central role cosplaying plays in the Marvel fan community. We heard about the Carol Corps, Captain Marvel's League of Fans. They do a ton of cosplay, but Kamala could have told you that. Right. Captain Marvel superfan number one, Kamala Khan, is passionate about cosplay, to say the least. You can even see her dress up as her favorite superhero to go to Avengers Con in Marvel Studios' Ms. Marvel. But now Kamala has fans of her own, and they love to dress up as her. Fans like Risa. I go by Raisin Cosplay on all social medias. That's kind of like my stage name. And I'm a cosplayer, but I'm also, you know, a longtime comic book collector, comic book reader, gamer, you know, kind of all things pop culture fanatic. Our fandom correspondent, Faith, talked to her about how she built her costume. So obviously today, as you know, we're talking about Kamala Khan. I would love to know what is it about Kamala Khan for you? Yeah, Kamala is very near and dear to my heart. I have been reading her comics literally since day one, since her number one issue came out. It was actually her age when her number one issue came out. Oh, I so love that. So she was this South Asian Muslim girl obsessed with superheroes, just like me, that all of a sudden had her own solo series from Marvel Comics. And there have always been, you know, diversity characters, legacy characters created for diversity, but they didn't necessarily last through the years. But Kamala right. persevered. She has such a dedicated fan base who I love. I've met so many people through our love, mutual love for Kamala. So she's very, very close to my heart. And I decided to cosplay her when a friend of mine asked me to be their plus one to the Disney Plus TV show premiere. So that that. was a very exciting opportunity for me. And I made the costume to be able to go to the premiere. And now I wear her at least once every convention. So... (laughs) That's awesome. It's always good to have those characters you come back to all the time. For sure. (laughs) And I kind of agree with what you said about her, like, staying power. I just remember feeling like there was something about her that, like, we were going to see her for a long time. Yeah, to me, you know, she's kind of like my generation's Peter Parker. Yeah. Nowadays, Peter Parker very much is Spider-Man and is no longer, like, the teenage kind of representation in Marvel the way that he was when he first came to be. So Kamala has kind of become a Peter Parker. You know, she started the Champions. She's been in the Avengers. She kind of has like a lot of parallels with Peter. But, you know, for a female uh, South Asian, you know, kind of perspective. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, 
You said that you made the costume for the Disney Plus premiere. So how did you kind of approach creating that look? You know, when you have to transform yourself into Kamala, into Ms. Marvel, if you could take us through the process step by step of how you made that costume and how you kind of get yourself into the zone. Yeah, so it was very like last minute. I had to make her in like literally within 24 hours. Oh my God. Essentially, you know, her costume is very inspired by a South Asian attire called uh, Salwar Kameez. And so I took a lot of inspiration from Salwar Kameez's. And the top is basically just a tunic. So I found a dress in my own closet that kind of had like the silhouette that I was looking for. And of course, superheroes everything spandex. So I had some blue spandex actually lying around that I was going to use for a different costume, but I was like, this is perfect for Kamala. And I used the dress to make the pattern for the tunic. The undersuit is very simple. It's literally just a long sleeve shirt and some leggings that are red, of course, but the tunic was really the main part of the costume. And for her logo, like the superhero emblem, I have a cricket. So I made a vector of her emblem and cut some heat transfer vinyl with my cricket out of some gold vinyl. And then I just ironed it on. I added some gold trim all around. And then after that, I already had a wig that worked. I had to source some bangles for her bracer. And so I just found like three kind of gold chrome bangles that I sent on top of each other and glued together to make the racer and the dupatta, which is like the long scarf that she wears is literally just a red hijab that I had that I kind of cut up and sewed together to make one long skinny piece. But my favorite part was actually doing the mask. I just made a template for the mask and I cut it out of Werbla, which oh, is... Yeah, yeah a heat activated thermoplastic and very carefully just slowly heated it up and kind of shaped it to my face and then on top of that I actually added craft foam and then used some heat to kind of give it like a leathery look after that it was just a matter of like painting it and then I apply it to my face with spirit gum which I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know what that is yeah I just use that to wear the mask and then that's pretty much the whole costume that's such an incredible story. You are so resourceful. And I mean, cosplay has so many different cool tools, things like Warbla, which is a thermoplastic. Um, For our listeners at home, one of my favorite tools that you mentioned is a cricket. And so if you don't know at home, a cricket is essentially a craft cutting tool that allows you to plug your computer in and you can do things like use it to draw or use it to cut out things like vinyl or foam or paper. It's essentially a do-all cutting craft tool. And I think that's really cool how you were able to kind of put that together so quickly. That is always people who are able to get it together that fast are so impressive to me as a serial procrastinator. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, me too. (laughs) Aren't all cosplayers serial procrastinators? But um, I guess like, you know, I kind of put myself in the mindset of like, Kamala, you know, there's literally a panel in the first volume of her making the costume. She made it at home. And so I kind of put myself in that mindset, like it didn't have to have like high tech prints or anything like that. I was like, if I was Kamala, if I was making my costume at home, how would I make it? And so I kept things more or less simple using very vibrant colors, you know, kind of straight out of the comic books. And the cool thing about my approach for the logo is that 
you don't really have to have a lot of skill to do the logo. And even if you don't have a Cricut, you can literally just cut the vinyl out with scissors and ironing right. on that way. So I was like, you know, what are like the most realistic methods that Kamala would use to make her costume? And I look like probably heat transfer vinyl, honestly. (laughs) Probably doesn't know how to applique, but you can applique it too. (laughs) (laughs) And you talked a little bit just now about putting yourself in Kamala's shoes. So you're a fan, just like her. If you were to wake up one morning, just like her, with new superpowers, what is the first thing you would do? Well, I guess it depends on the superpowers, but I think all of my friends would agree that out of everybody they know, if somebody was to wake up with superpowers, I would be the first to jump up and start being a superhero. (laughs) Um, If I had a dream job that was not real, it would be superhero. I guess like the first thing I would do is I would probably tell my husband and be like, I have superpowers. Let's go test it out. Maybe I'll jump off a building the way that Spider-Man does and see if I can fly you know, kind of test them out, take it for a test run. I think that's what everybody would do. Yeah. I I mean, first of all, awesome that you have the reputation amongst your friends that you would be the first one to jump to be a superhero. I love that. So just to close ourselves out, do you want to let people know where they can find you on social media? Yes, absolutely. I primarily operate out of Instagram. My handle is the same across all the social networks. It's Raisin Cosplay and it's Raisin like the dried fruit. So (laughs) Raisin Cosplay, pretty straightforward. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was so great talking to you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You know who else is one of Kamala's most ardent real life fans? Uh, you? Okay, yes, me. It's me. Uh, but also Iman Vellati. And we got to talk to her about her new series co-written with Saber Perzada, Ms. Marvel, The New Mutant. Hi, I'm Iman Vellati and I am writing Ms. Marvel, The New Mutant. So this is your first comic that you're writing for Marvel. How did the opportunity to write this come about? Well, started October of last year, I believe. I was doing some press with Sana. She obviously co-created and edited the original Miss Marvel books with Willow. And, you know, I was throwing random ideas like, if I wrote it, I would do this. And I was like, you know, there ought to be some fresh stories on the shelves and... Maybe I would write one, but also I could never because I've never done that before. And she was like, you know, if you're serious about this, like I can make a couple calls. And I was like, yeah, sure. Don't humor me, please. And then a couple months go by and I texted her. I was like, Sana, I think I'm like really serious about this. What do I do? And then she's like, let me talk to some folks. And then literally within the next few months, we got Kevin's Blessing Marvel editorial on board. I pitched our senior editors, Jordan White and Nick Lowe, our ideas, my ideas, and we found my co-writer in um, Saba Prezada. Yeah, very quickly, we, we had artists, and I was writing this thing, and we started in March, and by the end of the month, we had to have a, a first draft, so it was a very quick turnaround, and yeah, it's been crazy. Welcome to comics. Yeah. <laughs> it's a quick turnaround all the time. Did not expect that. I was like, I'm going to take my time. And they were like, no, you are not. Nope. That's how they come out every month. They're like, we love your idea. Can you give it to us in two weeks? Yeah, <laughs> literally. So let's rewind a little bit. Obviously, you've been a fan forever. How did you first become a Marvel fan? I don't know if I could pinpoint it to one thing. My brother likes to take credit for this, but he's never read a comic in his life. So I will 
stand by the fact that this is all me. Um, my high school is actually across from a comic shop. And so my parents would give me $20 of allowance every month. And that was literally spent on trades and McDonald's. So yeah, every month I'd go in, pick something new, but it was mostly Iron Man. Gotta be honest, Iron Man, Ironheart. <laughs> and then I, I stumbled across Miss Marvel on an Ironheart comic and just fell in love with her like I've never cosplayed as a comic book character before and my grandma helped me put together the costume and then it just escalated I read every single book I could get and and she just resonated with me on a level I've never ever ever felt in a piece of media before and the fact that no one else in my surrounding like none of my friends read comics or like superheroes so she very much felt like mine like there was the one piece of content that I had that was mine and I just, I felt so protective over her and, and the fact that I'm able to write this comic and the fact that I'm going to buy this comic from the same man who sold me my very first one is just the most full circle moment oh, ever. Awesome. And it's crazy. It's very beautiful. So you arguably know Kamala more intimately and completely than anyone else in the world at this point, except maybe Sana, you know, we could could debate that. What are your favorite things about her? I mean, I feel like I know her so well because I just insert myself so much into her life. Like, I feel like I've lived vicariously through the experiences that Kamala's had from high school and everything. And we've, we've kind of been growing together as humans and full adults although people age very slowly in comics <laughs> true oh my god i try i tried pitching at the beginning i was like maybe she's in university and they're like maybe not <laughs> so that was funny but no i mean i i just love how sure of herself she is she's never been shy of all the labels that she carries she's so certain of the hero that she is and just has this innate desire to want to help people that's solely what she's driven by, that she has a wonderful support system of a family, of her friends. I love all the supporting cast in the comic. And yeah, I was just so drawn to it because it felt so normal. But she's also a superhero. And it's like, it was something that, you know, people compare her to Spider-Man all the time. And I can totally see why. Like, she has those very normal teenage problems and then also gets to have these very incredibly cool experiences with the Avengers and the Champions and the Inhumans and now the X-Men. So I just, I love everything about her. I think there's so much of what you said that I find so familiar and I love that because I think we have these like experiences with Mm -hmm. Kamala, right? Like you were saying, but what are pieces of her personality and her character that you especially wanted to emphasize in this story that you've written? Well, I think Kamala, you know, because she's a woman of many labels, you know, she's Muslim, she's Pakistani and so many people want to use those identity markers to be like well that's who she is you know she is muslim she is a girl she is Pakistani. she is 16 but it's like we don't you know use any of these labels when we're talking about male characters all the time and it's just like it's almost used to advertise her and be like well she's different and i'm like no because i don't feel different in my real life you know it's just being muslim and being pakistani being a teenager is just a part of my life and it's felt so normal until you other me And so Kamala's always been a one who's like, all these things just make me me and it doesn't change anything. And what's different about this book that we're writing is she starts off thinking that same thing, that being a mutant is just another label to add to the list and it doesn't change anything. And this new suit and this new title, it's all just a formality. 
But very quickly, she comes to the realization that, you know, going public with the mutant label bears a lot more weight than she was expecting. And and the world's perspective on Ms. Marvel entirely shifts. And there's so many metaphors that can go hand in hand. And it's so different when just people know, right? Like, Miss Marvel's always had the X gene is how we're establishing it in this comic. And so she's always been a mutant, but the only difference is now people know, mm-hmm. right? So it's very similar to coming out and it's it's just been a whole special journey for her. And for the first time, she almost gets a taste of what it's like to be seen as an enemy and, and in a really harsh way, especially post Hellfire Gala, we know what happened with the mutants. So, yeah. So you talked a lot about the fact that she is a mutant now and kind of what that means to her. What does it mean to you to kind of see this character evolve and change and then take this character into a new era? Yeah, I mean, listen, for me, the only thing that matters is a good story. Like, I'm not really picking up Miss Marvel comics because of her genetics. <laughs> like, I, I don't really care. I mean, I understand that there's like a lot of back and forth between mutant fans and and inhuman fans. But at the end of the day, it's an exciting thing. Like the fact that she's a big enough character for this change to matter. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't realize how extensive her fan base was until she died, until, you know, this mutant thing was announced. And it's so cool to see the fan base collectively agree on something, (laughs) even if it's something they didn't like. They haven't read the comic yet. You know, it's like... It's wonderful. The sense of community. I love it. I love the discourse. Spoken like a true comics fan. It's so stupid. I I had the greatest day when I woke up and, and the, her death got leaked. And I was killing reading Reddit, like all the comments. It was great. But um, you know what I mean? I, I feel like people are, are missing like the whole sentiment that the X books have been preaching for decades. It's that like why should your genealogy matter? Mm-hmm. It's like we're heroes. We're fighting the same way that the Avengers are, the, that Spider-Man is. And I think I, I always call back to Frigga's line in Endgame of a measure of a hero is how well they succeed at being who they are. And that's so true for Kamala and, and her comics because she's still that same character that we fell in love with. And I don't think fans or people within the canon should, you know, let a technicality get in the way of liking a character and enjoying a story that you you know might actually be good and obviously there's like only 10 years of history with miss marvel comics so there's still plenty of potential avenues that we can explore in terms of her character arc and and while some may resonate with fans more than others i I do think it's important to kind of be objective you know and i feel like a lot of fans have just a lot of hate in their systems and they want to get out and so Maybe look into a punching bag, but um, I don't know. <laughs> they're just comic books. Like, they're meant to be fun. I, I don't get it. It's There's, like, real humans involved making these decisions, and they're just as much of a fan, maybe even more so, as the people reading them. And I think you got to be forgiving yeah. at times. I was on but, the yeah. editorial team that killed Peter Parker a decade ago. Oh, were yeah. you? Yeah. And Ellie, you hurt me in my heart. Well, but <laughs> but here's the thing, though, is that Superior Spider-Man was so good that the writer, Dan Slott, would go to conventions and he would ask people, you know, how many of you are sad that Peter is dead and want him to come back? How many of you never want him to come back ever? And watching how it kind of shifted that, like, as people have, people just don't like change as they have a chance to get used to something and see what a good story it is it often kind of evolves into them then loving the new thing and never yeah. wanting that to change ever 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 it's an I endless say, cycle 
Peter coming back was maybe one of the best days of my life. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> but we earned it. But we earned you it. You earned it. This yes. is not about yes, that. Felt, we're we're not here earned. to talk about that. We're not we're here not to talk here about, about sins. <laughs> so to talk about Kamala, mm-hmm. for people who have not read the first three issues, what are they yes. missing? Oh, okay. <laughs> so as we all know, she died. She's a mutant now. And it's been 10 weeks since Hellfire Gala. So she hasn't really had any time at all to adjust to this new life, to adjust to her new colors, to adjust to the literal rebirth. You know, she's dealing with a lot, especially because there's not a lot of mutants left on the earth that we know of. And so I think Kamala doesn't want to put any of the issues that she's having onto the mutants that are left because they're dealing with their own thing and no one has time to deal with the 16-year-old kid who's dealing with, you know, nightmares, which is a big thing that's going to be happening throughout the first three issues, especially. Kamala's been having this recurring dream and a lot of that's coming from my personal experiences after the last three years of my life, a big change has happened. And so I don't know why, but I've just been reading a lot of Sandman and because of that, like my dreams are just crazy. And a lot of this comic came from my dreams. So y'all will get to know me on a very personal level through this. (laughs) But yeah, I was kind of projecting a lot of the ways that I've been dealing with this change in my life through Kamala and, and, you know, using her supporting characters as as her rock and, and the people that keep her motivated and keep her going. Bruno's such a big part of the story. And so, yeah, she's on this mission, first undercover mission as the greenest member of the X-Men while simultaneously struggling to acclimate to just being a mutant. And throughout these first three issues, she realizes that, you know, being a mutant does set her apart in a way that she's never experienced before, especially post-Hellfire Gala, where the hatred of mutants has just taken over the world. And they think that mutants are the ones who massacred everyone. And so Kamala's entering this mission being a little naive to the magnitude of discrimination that exists out there towards mutants. And she's like one of the only mutants who can also afford to live above ground, right? So she hasn't been public and no one knows that she's a mutant until, of course, the very first issue where the only costume she has to suit up in is the exit. And she's like, it's fine. Like, it's just a superhero suit. Like, it's my uniform. I need to do this. Literally, who cares? Of course, everyone cares. So, yeah, I think that this entire journey has been is a real testament to who she is as a hero, why she fights, who she fights for, why that's important to her. And at the same time, she's also struggling to deal with, like, the fact that, am I a real mutant if I don't even have a mutation? Like, what does that mean? So there's a lot of questions, and hopefully we get to answer all of them in the last issue. Without spoilers, is there anything you want to tease or set up to get us excited about issue four? Hmm. Well, at the end of issue three, we do introduce a massive Stark Sentinel. And he is about to stir some stuff up within the (laughs) university campus for Kamala. And for the first time, she has to, like, fight. I thought it was the coolest thing to introduce the Sentinel because that's, like, the X-Men villain. And it's, like, that's basically her initiation. And we kind of wrap up a lot of the identity crisis that she's been having and, and, you know, all the labels that she wears, whether it's Champions, Avengers, and Human X-Men, like, they're all part of will make her her and she doesn't need to be one or the other. She doesn't need to erase any other part of herself to be any more of this one thing. And I think that was a very important point that we wanted to get across because as almost Marvel comics kind of go, she is a combination of everything and that's what makes her so unique and that's what keeps us reading. There's always going to be more labels. So, yeah. 
So Kamala is, of course, an Avengers super fan, just like you're a Marvel super fan. Mm-hmm. How would you say her fandom informs who she is and doesn't make her a better hero? I think so. I think she's very self-aware of the type of hero that she wants to be. Obviously, when she first got her power, she had very high expectations of like what heroism means for her. And, and immediately she decided that Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel was the encapsulation of that and and you know she's like well now if i have to be here it has to be on my own terms and so that was kind of the entire journey that willow's run dealt with and and as she kind of grows i think she's especially in ours we wanted to make a point of not putting every single superhero that she meets on a pedestal because they are dealing with the same things that she is and we did want her to grow up a little bit in that sense and it's fun because we have rasputin who is a miss marvel fan because she comes from a future reality and so Every time Rasputin sees Miss Marvel, she's like, oh, my God, like, we lo- I love you. And so for the first time, the tables have kind of turned and Kamala's the one who's being fangirled over. Mm. And we wanted to lean in more into that and, and kind of have her interact with other heroes more realistically and, and just they're people and, and they're dealing with their own things. And I think Kamala's finally kind of able to separate her fandom from her heroism. And so that's kind of been really fun to play with. And Saber is so good at writing like all of our supporting characters. So it's fun. And I think issue four kind of summarizes all of that. So you mentioned that you find Kamala very relatable, but if you were to wake up with a superpower one day, totally out of nowhere, what is the first thing you would do? (laughs) It's funny, like I get asked this question a lot now and I never have a good answer. I mean, I always say Professor X's powers because I'm so nosy. Huh. Yeah, I just need to know things all the time. <laughs> I would love that. I would love the power of just, I wouldn't even use it to manipulate people. I just, I just want to know things. Yeah, that might be it. It's a good answer. And like one that I feel like I don't usually hear when you ask people this question, it's like teleportation or like, you know. That would be convenient. I don't know. I like being on a plane. (laughs) (laughs) Forced relaxation. You can't do anything else when you're on a plane. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So comics are a collaborative medium. And what has Mm -hmm. it been like coming into this medium that you've enjoyed as a fan, as now a writer, a writer who's collaborating with another writer, who's collaborating Mm -hmm. with artists? What has that kind of collaborative artistic experience been like for you? Honestly, the collaboration process has been the most rewarding part of this whole thing. Like, I thought I was working with the biggest nerds at Marvel Studios, and then Mm. I met the folks at Marvel Publishing. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. They are a whole other level of nerd. And and suffice to say, I felt very at home. My first meeting with Jordan, like, I was in a Deadpool shirt. He was in a gamer chair. Like, it was the, like, just most casual two dorks talking. And I love it. I love the environment. It's so welcoming. Everyone loves being there. Everyone loves their job so much. It's so rewarding. And Saber, who's my co-writer, he's so fantastic and so generous as a collaborator. And he knows I had a very specific vision about this whole series and really gave me the upper hand on driving the narrative that I wanted to tell and getting like a lot of my wishes answered because I don't know if I'm going to do this again. So all the cards were on the table. And so, yeah, he's just so great at like, Anytime we would come across any speed bumps, he has 15 ideas on how to solve these problems. Like I said, I wanted to age her up and, and have her go to university. And they were like, no. And so I was like, well, maybe she's still in high school, but going to a program at a university. And I was like, see, this is why you're the best. <laughs> and I, I probably learned the most from him just like watching him 
the way he responds to emails, the way he integrates editorial notes and communicates his opinions if there's something that we don't necessarily agree with. And he really just wants to get the story told the way we want it to be told. So that's been amazing. Our artists are also like so, so talented. And that was probably the coolest part of this thing as well, just like receiving sketches every single morning. It's so fascinating to see how like these artists respond to my words, like I write words in my childhood bedroom and then the artists draw the words (laughs) and then the colors color the drawings of my words and then suddenly we have a book like not to that's the whole process basically but um (laughs) it's so cool and and like very validating honestly when an artist can draw exactly like what I pictured and then when they don't it's like you know a learning opportunity that I need to clarify my details better in the panels and you know make it more comprehensive so it's just a lot of learning in those first two issues especially because I did not get a crash course on how to write a comic book I was just given Jerry Duggan's Hellfire Gala script immediately I was like (laughs) oh my god this is the most insane thing I've ever read and I read it back in like February or March and I couldn't tell anybody about it (laughs) but um I was using that script as like my template, basically, of like, you know, comic scripts look very different from a movie script. And so you're writing page one, panel one, describe everything in the panel. You can't have too much dialogue in it. Kelly Sue DeConnick was actually a great resource and she sent me a lot of great tips, you know, make sure you take into account page turns. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to have a reveal, it's on the turn. And like, so there was so much that I had to learn in such a short amount of time, but I had like a very good team within editorial to kind of help hold my hand and now now I feel like I'm at a comfortable enough space and more confident about my ideas yeah that's a great list of mentors you just listed off there both uh-huh. in oh editorial yeah and that's the, other the ideal list and, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, that's that's a good list can't complain if the story's bad it's my fault <laughs> yeah I feel like when there's so much love for the character and so much thoughtfulness behind what you know about them it can't be bad like it can't I hope so. I mean, I literally dream in panels now. So that's my life. And yeah, I mean, it it is a weird transition being a fan and then being a part of the thing that you're a fan of. And, you know, like I want to do the character justice, not just for the audience, but on my terms as well, because I hold Willow's run as like the epitome of like what comic books are. I They were one of the first books that I read and and I, I respect them so much and I hold so much reverence for them and I just wanted to do them justice so there's a lot of like fun callbacks to the stuff that she established in her book so hopefully hardcore nerds will be able to pick those out well this was amazing thank you so much for talking to us about this comic where can people find the comic if they're not already reading it go to your local comic book store I encourage everyone to actually get a physical copy like I'm buddies with the guy who runs my store and he's my biggest cheerleader and and we have amazing conversations about all things comics and just it's so cool that I'm gonna buy my comic from the same guy who sold me my first one again and so it's just yeah I encourage people to support their shops and I know it can be intimidating sometimes to walk into those doors but I guarantee you it is a very welcoming environment and everyone's just nerdy and they want to talk about the things that they're interested in so yeah I was just that or online if you're lazy but go to your store <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much thank you for coming to talk thank to you. us today and be nerdy with us we thank would love you for you guys. to come back anytime and I look forward yeah. to potentially reading future comics from you mm-hmm. oh we'll see thank you guys Iman is absolutely wonderful. I am loving this series so far. The fourth and final issue comes out in just a couple weeks. 
Marvel.com editor Rachel Page got to talk to Sana Amana back in 2022 about Marvel Studios' Ms. Marvel. Sana was one of the brains behind both the character and the TV series, and she's actually a former host of this podcast. Hello, Sana. How are you? Good. How are you? My, my fam. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I would love to start off by talking about Iman because she is so perfect in this role. Like I've never seen someone just embody a character so perfectly. Yeah. After she was cast, did the character evolve at all once you knew she was involved? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, like, I feel like Iman is Kamala. Kamala is Iman. Like, there's, it's just so interchangeable at this point. But definitely, I mean, I think Iman brought her own spin to it, of course, because she's her own person. And she has a lot of, like, these crazy quirks that she does with her face, which actually Kamala does in the comics, too. So there's a couple of moments that are quite similar from the comics. But she just brings a lot of her, like, entire body into the performance, which is so fun. And also... She has a little bit of edge to her and a touch of swagger to her, which, you know, I don't think Kamal in the comics really had. And we leaned into that a bit where you saw that Iman brought sort of this very modern Gen Z vibe to the character. And, you know, I think that's really what we tried to lean into. And we had some incredible writers that helped kind of round out her voice. I'm going to give a shout out to Sophie Miller. Gave a great job in helping to round out Kamala's voice and make her sound like Iman, actually. So it's been awesome seeing that transformation. I've already talked to some of the other cast, and they said she was quizzing them on their own MCU knowledge. And like you, coming from Marvel, was she quizzing you? She was actually more asking me about the secrets, the way things are made, you know, and she was like asking me about things also that I probably didn't know the answer to. So for sure, I think her knowledge of the Marvel Universe is like much better than mine. Like I genuinely am like, okay, go for it. Like she just knows she reads everything and she's such a huge fan. And yeah, she's the ultimate fan. She belongs in the Marvel Universe. Right now, speaking of the ultimate fan, I'd love to talk about AvengerCon and how that came together. Just like, how do you pitch we want to do a convention in-world that's celebrating the Avengers? Yeah, I mean, the writers actually always wanted to do AvengerCon. I think it was such a great idea that came out of the room. And it's still so, even though it's not in the comics, it's so inherent to what the comics are all about in terms of this irreverent sense of fandom and just kind of absolutely going all in for it. And AvengerCon was obviously mimicked off of comics conventions for sure. And that was an idea Kevin liked immediately. He's like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, she's a fan. AvengerCon could be a real thing. Let's put it at Camp Lehigh, which is really like the home base where Captain America effectively was born, which is so cool. And it's in New Jersey. Oh my God, perfect. So it all kind of made sense. And then when we were putting it together for live action for the screen, it was so, so, so fun. Because for me, you know, I'm a Marvel person. I've been there for such a long time. I grew up in these conventions. So that was something where I'm like, okay, I got this. Like, this I can do. Like, I know what a comics convention is all about. So this was a lot more, I mean, I will say a lot more heightened than a regular comics convention because it's kind of all over the place and bright and wild. And we leaned into it hard And our production designer, Chris Glass, and his entire team just had so much fun putting it together. And there's so many Easter eggs and crazy things. There's so much cool stuff in that convention. I wish wish we do a real AvengerCon. I really hope we do. I have one very specific question about AvengerCon that I'm hoping you can answer. Why is Groot called Mr. Tree? Like, I have my own theories, but I figured I would ask you. Because nobody knows that Groot's name is Groot. 
they know some names. I think that was the fun that we played with with AvengerCon was like, yeah, people might know some things, but they don't know all the things. They don't know every single name. They don't know everyone's actual code name or their real name because it's the ground's eye view of the Marvel Universe. These are just regular civilians putting this convention together. So they just think that this guy's Mr. Tree. That sounds like a name. Okay, he's Mr. Tree. And so we kind of made it up and it was just a fun thing to do. And now there's so many moments in the series that I can only describe as like teenage girl moments. Yeah. The one I'm thinking of specifically is Kamala standing in her homemade costume in front of her mirror. And just like you see her expression change as she just doesn't feel confident. Can you talk about creating some of these moments in the series that go hand in hand with like her becoming a superhero and getting these powers while also becoming a teenager? Yeah, I mean, I think that was, I mean, that mirror moment I think is so it sort of says everything about the first run of Willow's and Adrian's run. It is about sort of her being a little bit insecure in her own body and what happens when her body effectively transforms and gets these powers and she has to figure out what to do with it. And, you know, I guess it is very much, it's not even just a young woman's experience, but like being a young woman of color, you feel invisible in the world and you feel like you don't know not necessarily just like what your place is, but how to show your voice and and allow it to shine and allow it to be your voice and your body together is it can be an uncomfortable thing for a woman. And that really was what that moment was. And when Kamala gets powers and she's even more amplified, what kind of image does she want to project to the world? That's kind of the journey of the show, the same way the comic was. It's the same journey in the show. It's like, what kind of image does she want to project when she gets everything that she ever wanted? That's, I think, so important when we're trying to tell stories about young women and young people of color. When all is said and done with Ms. Marvel, what do you hope viewers take away from it as a whole with this first season? You know... I just hope that people will, one, obviously accept Kamala into the MCU as, like, a real hero, as one that can stand side by side with the Avengers, even if she's, like, making little, like, sly jokes along the way and being super awkward. You know, it's a big task asking people who are such big fans of Marvel who know the world to accept a brand new character. We we did it eight years ago when the character first came out, and now we're doing it again in a much bigger way, actually. So we know that it's, you know, people are going to be like, what is this? What's going to happen? But I think they're really going to fall in love with the family and just have fun and feel a sense of joy and excitement and feel like they're going to want to go back to wherever, their homes, their families, and feel like they can celebrate their own communities and their own spaces in a bright and big way. That's really what I hope people take away from it. I love it. Thank you so much for this. So great to meet you. Yes, it was wonderful to meet you too. Of course, you can get more of Kamala Khan and her fangirling in Marvel Studios' The Marvels, which is out in theaters now. Go see it. It's delightful. And if The Marvel still isn't enough Kamala for you, first of all, go watch it again. There's no limit to how many times you can see this movie. But then after you rewatch it, go check out some comics. Here's Robin with our Ms. Marvel reading list. Hey again, Preeti. Hey, Ellie. I've got you with the Miss Marvel reading list. These Marvel Unlimited picks can be read in chronological order, but all of these serve as valid entry points for new readers, so you can start anywhere on this list. We will dive right in with the pivotal, culture-changing, monumental Miss Marvel issue one from 2014. I think we know it. I think we love it. If you are a fan of the D-plus series, Look no further. Um, (laughs) This is just a gorgeous coming of age. 
from G. Willow Wilson artist Adrian Alfona at the top of their game. The Miss Marvel origin, extraordinary girl from Jersey City, becomes empowered by the inhuman Terrigen Mists, which give her a remarkable power set to enlarge and biggen, stretch, change her form. She has a dynamic, versatile power set. And I just love this run. I mean, it taps into all of the core parts of Kamala's identity. Is she a student, a daughter, a teenager, Muslim American, now a superhero? It's great. Start here. I think I've probably said it on this episode (laughs) multiple times, but genuinely the first volume of this run, No Normal, is top three comics of all time for me. It's perfect. No notes. Yeah. How great is that cover too? So good. And it was so cool the way it went viral and everyone sending in the pictures of, you know, them with that cover. It was just, it was, as you said, it was an amazing cultural moment. It was, yeah, a huge historical Marvel mainstay. And I love the element of her being a fangirl, too, I think is why people identify so closely to Kamala. It's like if you're a comics fan, then you are Kamala. So I love hearing that, that people really related and identified with the cover and saw themselves. That's the beauty of this series, particularly. Also from this run, because we can't talk about it enough, issue six (laughs) I love fangirl Miss Marvel. Yes. This is Kamala and Wolverine team so up. Good. The banter is peak. Kamala cannot contain herself. And I can't think of a better character to play off of than <laughs> Wolverine. Her eagerness, you know, met with Wolverine's, we know, his attitude is <laughs> just... brusqueness, perhaps. <laughs> his, his brusqueness. I love the counterpoint of these two together. So I had to throw issue six on the list. Our following issue is jumping to the 2015 volume. So after the 2014 run, Miss Marvel is rebooted in 2015. This is Miss Marvel's journey to Karachi, Pakistan. If you're a fan of the show, this happened on the series as well. I think that journey to Pakistan was such an important character moment for her. And it's also where she met Red Dagger for the first time. Again, fans of the D Plus series, you're going to love this one. We love seeing Kamala in Pakistan. Yeah, and I, I like her um, dynamic with Red Dagger, too. Yes. And I think he's a really interesting character. If you want to read more of those two, there's actually a Love Unlimited arc in the Infinity Comics Romance series on the Marvel Unlimited app. So look out for Love Unlimited Miss Marvel slash Red Dagger if you want to continue shipping them because they're really cute and sweet and infatuated with each other and we're rooting for them. <laughs> We now jump to another fangirl issue that I just love, Amazing Spider-Man 2014, issue 7. This is a Spider-Man Kamala team-up. And this makes the list alone because Kamala asks Spidey in the middle of this Cree battle if he's actually dated Carol Danvers. (laughs) And then she tells him that she ships Spider-Marvel. So I don't think I could relate more. Yeah, I mean, yeah, who amongst us? <laughs> is not shipping Spider-Marvel. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> they said, let's show us how, like, Peter Parker can be super dorky across these wonderful, wonderful women. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. The second to last issue on our list is Magnificent Miss Marvel from 2019. So Eisner winning creator Saladin Ahmed and artist Minkyu Jung. 
This series is uh, Miss Marvel back in Jersey City. There's an emerging alien threat that basically is coming after both Kamala and her family. Readers will find out why if you continue this spectacular run. Also a great entry point for new readers. So Magnificent Miss Marvel 2019 issue one. Check it out. And I think one of my favorites on the list outside of Miss Marvel No Normal is the Beyond the Limit limited series. So Miss Marvel Beyond the Limit from 2021. This is a great self-contained Kamala Khan multiverse Miss Marvel. Kamala's visiting a cousin in Chicago. It sets off some kind of multiversal reaction after there's a snafu at a laboratory. And before we know it, Kamala is planted square into a Bollywood multiverse adventure co-starring Loki. It's great. The art is so vivid, so vibrant. Um, and it's really cool seeing all of the Miss Marvels of the multiverse. Yeah, and we had a wonderful conversation, of course, with Samira Ahmed in this episode where we get to find out why she wanted it in Chicago because it makes sense. <laughs> it does, and you'll have to read it to find out how it all fits together. <laughs> so there you have it. There is your Miss Marvel Kamala Khan reading list, and we're going to link this up for you. So if you didn't catch everything here, no worries. We have got you covered. Thank you so much, Robin. And as we've mentioned several times, Kamala got her own Marvel Studios TV series last year. And our character next week on the final episode of the season, I'm so, I'm so sad that it's almost over, uh, but our character next week is also about to get her own TV show too. Of course, that's Echo, and we cannot wait. Until then, Women of Marvel is produced by Isabel Robertson, Zachary Goldberg, Ellie Pyle, and Preeti Chipper. Our senior manager of audio development is Brad Barton. Our production manager is Emily Godfrey, and our executive producer is Jill DeBoff. Special thanks to our comics correspondent, Robin Belt, and our fandom correspondent, Faith Disa. Listen weekly on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Ellie Pyle. And I'm Preeti Chibber. And this is Marvel. Your universe. <laughs> <laughs>